Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Firstly, by just stating, which is an understatement, but just to remind us that God is sovereign. And God is in control. He's in all, above all, over all, through all. He will have his way. And I don't have all the answers and I can't tell you why this or why that. I just know that God is in control. God loves us. God is for us. And his heart is to reach into our situations and into our circumstances and bring change. And I just want to say from the outset that what I share tonight are things that I've learnt uh, through my journey. They're things that we have instilled into Mitch for his journey. And it's a to-do list, of course, But this isn't a, if I do this, then God will. I can't say that to you. But what I can guarantee is if you do this, your life will be better. If you do this, your relationship with others would be better. If you do this, your relationship with your Saviour will be better. So we don't do these things so that, here, God, I've done my part, now you do yours. We can't twist God's arm. We can't say, well, I've done this. Because if we say, well, I deserve, you know what we all deserve? We all deserve eternal separation from God, but Jesus, God sent his son so that we could have relationship with him through Jesus. And so if we sit here and say, well, I've done all this, why haven't you? I I don't know why God hasn't, but it's really not my place. The Bible says that when we get to heaven, then we will know in full. Now we know partly. So I, I don't understand. And my heart breaks for those who aren't yet in the fullness but I believe the principles that I share will help you cope in your reality now and that we can get to that place where we have an opportunity that God can come through. And if he doesn't come through in the way that you are thinking, we're going to trust that he still comes through in a way that we actually never really expected or experienced, which is part of our testimony. And as Tony has already alluded to, I think my qualification for sharing tonight has been our journey with Mitch. For those of you who don't know, our son Mitch is 14. And when I was 18 uh, weeks pregnant, and the general ultrasound that they do to check everything, they discovered some issues. And they strongly, if not strongly, quite pressured that we should terminate Mitch. They just said, look, we've discovered that he has no digits on his left hand, no fingers, and he has all these other complications, and we really uh, advise you strongly. In fact, here is the date. Come in on Monday. This was a Friday. Come in on Monday, and we will do a termination. And we just said, thank you, but no thank you. And um, I've had to work the journey, the walk the journey then of from 18 weeks up until 40 weeks of when you deliver and then now up until 14 years um, to see what God has done in uh, me and in our family and in Mitchie's life. And um, when Mitchie was born at 40 weeks, in actual fact, the only thing that they... Um, that came to be was that he was missing fingers on his uh, left hand. So you may beg to differ, but he's actually quite normal. So if you've met him, that's normal. And I do have permission from Mitch tonight uh, to be able to share some of these things. And so I'm hoping and trusting that what I share will just help you in your journey because it's what's helped me. It's what we teach Mitch. And I believe I see walked out in Mitch's life and um, 
it'll be a blessing to you. So I'm not only going to talk to you about my experience, I want to uh, read to you about a man in the Bible and was a blind beggar. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 18, verses 35 to 43. So if you've got your Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to that, if not, it is up on the screen behind me. So it says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. So you may be like me, responded last week, have asked God, there's a situation or a circumstance that you really need God to come through for you. And you've been praying and asking and you're sitting here saying, so what now? Well, here is what now. This is what uh, I've done and this is what I learned from this blind beggar is that we need to be passionate. What I love about this story is the blind man is passionate. It's not like he's sitting there saying, hey, Jesus, yoo-hoo, Here's a man, he's sitting on the side of the road. There's all sorts of commotion going on. He hears, he's like, what's going on? What's happening? He hears that Jesus... He's walking past, he's heard the stories of the miraculous things that Jesus has been doing and he's like, this is my opportunity. If you are here tonight and you're thinking, yeah, but it's not, it hasn't worked so far, I'm saying to you, you know what, if you want to see breakthrough, what now? Continue to be passionate. I mean, this blind beggar, listen to what it says. It says, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, and in the literal translation, it says he cried out. The Living Bible says he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, like I said, I think what happens is when we've suffered setback or we just haven't seen the answer to prayer, we kind of get that Eeyore mentality. You know Eeyore and Piglet and Pooh? And Pooh's like, what a wonderful, blustery day. And Eeyore's like, oh, life sucks. And sometimes, that's my version. (laughs) I was going to digress, get back to the point. Often that's how we get, we get victim mentality that just, well, it didn't work for me, so why bother? And you know what, we have to keep the passion. I honestly, if that man had just went, hey, Jesus, because it doesn't tell us that this is the first time he's ever been prayed for. It doesn't tell us it's the first time he's ever responded to a need. It just says that he decided he was going to shout, hey, Jesus, I know you're here. I know you can do this. Won't you come and meet my need? And again, what do we do now? You were prayed for last week. You've been prayed for in the past. There seems to be no shift in your circumstance. Continue to be passionate. Continue to stand there and say, God, I'm here. I'm still here. I still have this need. I still have this. It's what uh, Tony and I continue to do. When we found out the news 
about Mitchell and what the doctors said, I just had to continue to pray. I just said, God, you alone know. You, this is not too hard for you. You can do this. It wasn't like, oh, poor me. I'm the pastor's wife. After all I've done for you, serving you diligently, putting you ahead in this and doing that. It was it's no poor me. It was like, you know what, God? I trust you. I believe in you. I know that you've said you will not tempt me beyond what that which I can bear. I have the capacity to be able to endure in this situation. You will have your way, but I want to be... Uh, continuing to put myself before you say, God, come and move in this situation. Our passion for that didn't die. You have to continue to be passionate for the situation that you're believing for. Continue to be passionate, saying, you know what? This is what I want God to do. This is what I want. None of this, oh, well, if he thinks about it, he will. You know what? God is for you. He, he is thinking about you all the time. Continue to be passionate. The scary thing is, I think in Christianity, often we have all these little rote sayings. You know, we do things. Someone sneezes, what do we say? God bless you. All these sort of things, you know, we say, God bless the Queen. We say, at dinner time, it's like, Lord, bless this food to our tummies. And we do so much stuff that just is, it's out of, it's no feeling. We're just doing it repetitious. And sometimes that's what happens in our prayer life. We're just doing this because, oh, you know what, I'm going to respond to the front because that's what's needed. There's no passion there. And we've got to keep the passion. There's a story about a pastor who was sitting around the table with his family. They joined hands and he was about to say grace. And his son pipes up and says, Dad, can I, play for the, can I talk to the plates tonight? No concept, no passion. You know what? If that family had been starving and this was their one meal a day, I think they would pray differently. They would, give, they would say grace differently. And you know, that's what we do. It's no condemnation of us. We just got to recognise it and go, you know what, that's right. I just get in there, you know, bless this food to my tummies, amen, and then go, oh, what is it? It's like, come on, passionate, just saying, God, you know what, I trust in you, I believe you as much today as what I did the first time that I asked. The problem is when we're not passionate, it just means that we're actually, we're not being honest. Honest prayer is passionate prayer. And again, part of that just wrote and doing it. Sometimes we just, we, we pray what we think people want to hear. We pray what we think we're supposed to. Well, if I do this, what well, I do that. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 29:13, that God says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You've got to ask yourself today, am I as passionate about this situation? Am I as passionate that God is going to intervene in my situation today as I was the very first time that I asked? I've been prayed for. What now? Continue to be passionate. It's better to have heart without words than words without heart. Can I encourage you? Sometimes the best prayer you can pray is help. You think about kids. You know, sometimes when they're in danger, they don't have time in, and something's gone wrong. And they, they, what's the cry you often hear? You either hear, Mom, or help, or stop. Simple, easy. And we get so clever and we've got all these long words and these fancy prayers and we try to put it before, but there's no passion, there's no heart, there's no feeling, there's no faith in believing that God's going to do it. And sometimes it's just better to say, God, I can't do it anymore. God, I need help. God, I just need this. Just keeping it. Simple. The simple. Sometimes the best prayer you can pray is help or sorry or whatever else is needed. So we're talking about what do we do now that we've been prayed for. One, we've got to be passionate. The other thing I learned from this blind beggar is you've got to be persistent. We have to keep on praying until the miracle happens. Last week, 
we as a family again came to the front, responded to the call that um, Andrew could pray for Mitchie and Mitch and Mitchie. God could touch Mitchie's hand. It's persistent. It wasn't like, well, I've done that. I've tried that. And, you know, who are you, Andrew? It's like, you know what, God, you've said. People say, again, I mentioned, it doesn't say how many times this blind beggar has been out for prayer. It doesn't say what he's done in the past. It just says he came again. And we've got to be persistent. If you're looking for breakthrough, you're wanting to see circumstances in your life change, healing come to your body, then you've got to be persistent. I mean, imagine if he only asked once. What if he asked once, gets to heaven, and, and Jesus says, you know what, if you'd asked me, you know, remember that time on the, on the road? If you'd asked me then, freedom and breakthrough would have come. I don't know. Again, it's, I'm not trying to twist God's arm, but opportunity was there. My name's Jimmy. I'll take what you give me. It's like, come on, guys, to the front. One more time. We're being persistent. God can, and we're going to position ourselves so that I'm there and available if he chooses to. What I've discovered is if you don't pray about it more than once, it really isn't that important to you. We actually, the Rainbows, have a puppy. He is now 10 months. Can I tell you, um, we've got a 16-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son, Mitch, and, now, and an 8-year-old uh, daughter, Bailey. And our oldest two children always wanted a dog. They, for a while, but that kind of faded. You know, they were asked and asked and asked and then kind of gave up. We could not get away with that with our eight-year-old. She wanted a dog for ages, years even, and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And guess what? We've got a dog. The other two didn't get the dog. The eight-year-old, why? Because she was persistent. It wasn't just that oh, I want one. I just want, I asked once and left it. it. We discovered, we watched and saw and thought this is something she really wants. I mean, parents, have you ever been to the toy shop with the kids? First, oh, first thing they see, this is what I want, especially if they go with birthday money. So you go, well, hang on a second, second, oh, this is what I want, this is what I want. And it's like, well, which, what do you want? Which one? And it's what they persistently are asking for. And that's what I think God does for us. Are you serious about this? Do you really want this? Not just, well, I asked once. It's like, if it's important to you, you ask again. You ask again, hey, this is what I want. He kept coming back. He was persistent. I love it in... Um, Matthew 7, verses 7 to 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. The study Bible says that Greek present imperatives are used here. So in other words, it's indicating it's a constant asking, a constant seeking, a constant knocking. It's emphasising persistent prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Not just once. Ask and be given to you. Not just once. Keep going. Keep going. And you parents, you know it because you've seen your kids do it. If they ask once, you think, oh, I'll wait until I, if they ask again, oh, we'll see. And you keep things just at a distance to know if it's serious. If it's not that important to them, they don't come back. Or it kind of waves off, or they change their mind, it's something else. But when it's something that's near and dear to their heart, they'll be back again and again and again. And how many parents here go, you know what? They've got a dog because the kid just didn't stop. I didn't want a dog, but guess what? I've got a dog. Why? Because the persistence of an eight-year-old. And you could potentially have your healing. Why? Because the persistence of you going back again and again and again and again to Dad and saying, Dad, here I am. Please work your miracle in my life. So what do we learn from the blind beggar? He was passionate and he was persistent.
Oh, the other thing, I just was, when I was prepping, I was thinking about it, because it's talking about knocking, um, the door will be opened. Who knocks on the door once? Only somebody doesn't want someone home. You know what I mean? So like, you know, have you ever, if you've ever had a job and you have to sell something or you've got to go approach, I remember when you were younger, you kicked the ball over the neighbour's fence and he wasn't the nice neighbour and used to fight about who's going to go and knock on the door. And so when you, you want the ball back, but you'd go like this. Oh, he's not home. <laughs> like, because if he answers. But can I tell you, if you know somebody who has a swimming pool and it's 38 degrees and you want to swim, how do you knock on the door? Bang, 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 like, no, you're in there. Get out. I saw the curtains move. <laughs> it's a difference in what do you want? How, who knocks on the door once? Those who actually don't want what it is they're asking for. So continue to knock. Let's just point in being persistent. Thirdly, the third thing we learn about this blind beggar and things that we've applied to our life and our situation is to be precise. Can I encourage you, when you, you've been prayed for and you're wanting your breakthrough, be precise about what it is you want. Don't be vague. Be specific. Exactly what you want and in detail. And I think, I know there's been all sorts of takes on why Jesus asked the blind man, what does he want? Because it's not like he is having a bad day. But he's, what, what do you want? He's wanting to know, does the man know for himself what he wants? What do you want? Because, I mean, he could have said, hey, I just want a million bucks. I don't care about seeing, I want a million bucks. And you know what? We have to be precise. What is it you want? When we were praying for our situation, we were precise. We said, Lord, we know through the evidence that there are no fingers on this baby's left hand. I want fingers on his left hand. The other things they were saying, they weren't even, they weren't even sure. They didn't know. They wanted us to have further tests. We just said, I'm not interested. This is God's son. This is God's child. We'll take what we get. So we prayed. You under uh, work in that situation. And the other thing when talking about precise that we prayed for, I prayed for wisdom. I said, God, I need wisdom because I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this. I'm believing you can come and touch and bring um, total restoration. But if you don't, I need wisdom to navigate this season. I'm going to need wisdom in how I parent this child. I'm going to need wisdom as to how, what I say, how I talk to them, how I bring them up. I need wisdom. Tony mentioned that this week we um, had the opportunity to go to New Zealand. So we had some time with uh, Pastor Paul de Jong and some great leaders around the country and, and around the nations. And he was just asking different things. Okay, I mean, you've got a man who's got... Uh, 23 years of ministry experience, he's ahead of you. You're wanting to get what you can from him. So he was sitting around and he just said to us, okay, what are some of the things you want to hear? What do you want to know? And um, he just went around the room and he said, Kath, tell me, what is the um, one thing, give me one thing that would be the biggest struggle in um, yours and Tony's ministry life? And bang, I went, this, this, this and this. Hey, <laughs> one, okay, this. <laughs> and um, you know what, the next day, Paul came out and then he did a whole teaching based on what I'd said. I got help because I was specific. I had an opportunity where he said, what is it you need? And I said, bang. Now, the reason I could be specific and precise is because I've just spent time thinking about what is it I need? What is it God is asking of me? Where do I need improvement? Where do I need help? What needs to... And it's the same when we talk about our prayer. Be specific. I want to see. I want this. I said, God, I want 
healing for this unborn child. I want the kidneys and all the other things that they've said, the Down syndrome, this, the, that, the whatever they've prophesied over this child, I want that eradicated. I want fingers on his left hand. And if above all else, if that's not your plan, then I want the wisdom to be able to walk this journey. Be precise. What is it you after for God? So he goes, you know what? I want my child back in the fold. My son is making silly decisions. I want him back. I want him coming home to you. My marriage, I want this. I want to feel valued. I want to feel my um, workplace, whatever it is, my healing. This is what I want. Be precise in what it is that you want. The beggar knew exactly what he wanted. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? And he said, Lord, I want to see. I heard a saying once, um, it says, God never shuts his storehouse until you shut your mouth. I think too many Christians, we've shut our mouth. We just don't ask, we don't think. To think is to thank. It's one of our sayings here at church. To think is to thank. So in other words, I had answers for Paul de Jong, which gave me answers. Why? Because I'd thought about it. Think about what it is in your life you want and then articulate it. Vague prayer is lazy. Precision takes thought, time, energy, self-examination. I remember hearing a story in our early years in ministry. A man was just telling us about his story where he had, was sick and I think the doctors had um, said that he had some sort of growth, internal growth, and he was dying. And he tells the story. He was in his home in London, and he was just pleading before God and just pouring his heart out and just said, God, five more years. I want five more years because I want to do this, 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 and this. And then the, the power of God hit him. And um, he, Sorry for the graphic, you just told me about it. He said he vomited. He had an ice cream container filled with some vile, black, whatever the issue was. Healed instantly. Five years later to the day, the man went home to be with Jesus. Precise. He said, God, I want five years. And um, when the man was telling me the story, it was his friend. I said, Betty wished he'd said 10 years, <laughs> 20 years. Be precise. Name it so that you know. All right. So be passionate, be persistent. Be precise. And fourthly, be positive. We're talking about, so I've been prayed for what now? Be positive. You know what? We have to expect God to act. Trust him to answer. In verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, but I feel faithless. I feel that I've gone and I've gone and my faith is being depleted. Can I encourage you? Use what little faith you have. A little faith in a big God can get big answers. It's not the size of your faith. It's the size of our God. Scripture says His hand is not too short. He's far above the heavens. He holds the earth in His hand. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the very sparrows. He clothes the grass and the flowers in the field. It's, he's not too short to be able to undertake in your situation. It doesn't matter if your faith is lacking. It just matters that you have some. You need to have faith. You need to remain positive. I believed right up until the day that Mitchie was born that God could and would undertake in our situation. In fact, so much so that when um, he was born, I didn't even think. It wasn't the first thing that we looked at or thought. It wasn't until probably an hour afterwards and they're doing all their stuff. I said to him, oh, oh, by the way, what's his hand like? What's this? What's that? 
And they did all the tests and they said, everything else is great. It's just, I believed right up until the day. It's about being positive. I'd never thought it wouldn't happen. And then God gave me the wisdom in how to walk it out in knowing uh, that it didn't happen quite yet as we thought. So it's, you may feel faithless, but use the faith you have. And you, you might sit there and say, but I don't have any. Can I tell you, everybody has faith. You've got faith just to sit in that chair tonight. You have faith every time you get in the car. It takes faith to get in a car and drive it. it takes faith to get on an aeroplane. We just flew to New Zealand. And if I stopped to think about what that actually means, I would never get in an aeroplane. Because you just think, they've got to do this, they've got to do that. It's about weight. And I lied about how much I weighed, so <laughs> we're in big trouble. <laughs> That's only when you do little planes and they weigh your handbags and they ask you to get on the scales. It's like, no. <laughs> All right. Sorry, lost the point. You, everybody has faith. You have faith when you get in the car, when you get on the aeroplane. You've got faith right now to sit in your son. So we need to sit in your son, to sit in your chair. So we need to be more positive. And can I encourage you, if, if, the, if you're struggling right now, then just ask God. Say, God, it's not, it's not natural for me to be positive or I feel like I've been so um, inundated or I feel like I've had too many knockbacks. I'm struggling to be positive. Just ask God. Remember we said, ask, seek, knock. He'll answer. Ask God. In there's a story in the Bible where Jesus' disciples are praying for a demon-possessed boy and they, it's not working and Jesus comes to them and the dad said, Jesus says to the dad, do you believe? And the, I love the dad's answer. He says, yes, but. Yes, but help me in my unbelief. You know what? I think intrinsically, yes, we believe, but a lot of us have yes, but. Yes, but I do believe, but you know what? There's something in the back that's still letting me know. That's not a problem. It's not a problem to me. And it's, not a, it's not a problem to God. Yes, but. He said, yes, but help me in my unbelief. We've got to finish the sentence. Help me in my unbelief. Yes, I believe. In, in the whole scheme of things, yes, God, I believe you. But right now there's a but. Yes, but. And we, go, we have to say, yes, but help me in my unbelief. Ask God to help you. Speak positively to yourself. You're kidding yourself if you don't think you talk to yourself. We all do. I just talk to myself loudly. I get caught out all the time because I'm talking and everyone says, what do you say? I was like, I'm just talking to myself. We all talk to ourselves. We do, but we've got to speak positively because it's not the fact that you speak to yourself. It's what are you saying to yourself? And we need to be speaking positively. And if you're not reading the Word, if you're not spending time in church, if you're not going to connect group, if you're not surrounding yourself by the right people, you're not going to speak the right things into your situation. You've heard the statistics about how you hear and then what you say. You hear words at 300 words a minute, but you speak to yourself at 1,200 words a minute. So whatever hearing is coming, we've got to be feeding ourselves. We've got to be feeding ourselves positively so that we can speak positively. You need to know the word. Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. There are 7,000 promises in the Bible. Claim them. They're for you. Now, God, you said you will not tempt me beyond what I can bear. God, you've said that you who've begun a good work will see it to completion. God, you said that you knit me together in my mother's womb. God, you said I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God, you said I know the plans I have for you, plans for a hope, plans to prosper you, plans for a future. There are promise, 7,000 promises and every one of them are yes and amen for you. We need to tell ourselves, remind ourselves of that. I read a story about a guy who got on a ship 
He was an immigrant and he was going back to Scotland from America. This was in the last century. And he got on board and he ate something like peanut butter every day because he didn't have any money. He spent all his money on the ticket to get on the ship. On the last day, he was really weak and his roommate said, you look sick, what's the matter? And he said, I haven't had anything to eat except peanut butter. His roommate said, didn't you know that on this trip, the meals are provided for free? They're already paid for. Jesus has already paid for your sickness. He's already paid for the circumstances in which you find yourself for the deliverance of that. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. They're paid for. Can our band please make their way back on here? We just have to claim them. And I'm not talking hyper faith. I know people get nervous. It's not about, I claim it, I'm a car, I'm a car, I'm a diamond. All those sort of hyper faith. I'm not sick and yet you're coughing up blood. It's like what we did with Mitchie. I love, and Paul, I love the fact that Paul Benithan's here on the front row. I heard Paul Benithan many years ago say a line. It was, the facts are, but the truth is. And I had facts. We had x-rays, sonographers' x-rays. We had... Um, blood tests, we had all sorts of things, doctors. I'd seen it myself for the scans. I had the facts. And the facts were that there was a definite problem and a big issue with this unborn child. But the truth is, God was in control. The truth is that He equipped me with all I needed to be able to do this life. The truth is, He said He knit Him together in my womb. The truth is, He could come and do what only He could do. We had the facts. But the truth is, and I'm not talking about hype. It wasn't, oh, he's not sick, he's not this, it's not real. It was like, it's real, we face that. This is real and this is happening. But God, you are realer, is a wrong word. But you are bigger, you are better, you are in control. And it's on you on whom I trust and lean. So it's not hyper faith. It's not there, it's not there, it's not there. It was there, but it wasn't going to be my focus and it wasn't going to be the place in which I put my hope and trust. Be passionate, be persistent. Be precise and be positive. I want you to know that God still heals today, even if that's not your reality right now. Right now, in terms of Mitchie's physical hand, he doesn't have fingers on his left hand. But God still heals today. God has provided. I, we look at him all the time and say, Mitch, they wanted to get rid. Look at you, you handsome young man you are. Look at you. I says like, you know, God has brought healing, not yet in the way that we'd like to see all fingers on His hand, but there's healing in the way He lives His life. There's glory in the way He's been raised and in how He can play. He plays the guitar. He plays in the youth band. He's up here. In fact, I can't tell you the last time somebody's actually noticed His hand and asked me. It is a so non-event. I can only think of two actual occasions in His 14 years when somebody has asked us, oh, what happened? Most people don't even know. And the way he lives his life and conducts himself, it's not an issue for us. So I believe God can still and will heal. And if God grows fingers on that hand tonight, in the next five years, or he goes to glory and gets his healing in heaven, it doesn't matter to us because God is receiving glory right here, right now in the way he's living. You don't need to wait for a healing evangelist. It was great 
to have Andrew here last week. It was amazing. But we don't need to wait for that. We have the power of God available to us, not just every Sunday, but every day. Every waking minute, every sleeping minute, He is there, He is real for you. While you're waiting for your healing, while you're waiting for your breakthrough, while you're waiting for that undertaking in your situation, can I encourage encourage you? Continue to be passionate. Passionate in your asking of God. Passionate in your believing of God. Passionate in your love for God. Passionate in your love for His church and for His people. Be passionate. Can I encourage you while you're waiting for your healing to be persistent? Don't give up. You don't know what's around the corner. Tony shared this morning, you know what, I don't come to church for me and yet I need it. I come because you know what, somebody needs me to be here. It's the same for you. Be persistent in your prayer. You know what, if I continue to ask, if I continue to ask and God brings healing in that, I don't know what that's going to release in someone else's life. Be persistent. Be precise. Know exactly what it is you want. Be exact and specific. God, I want this, this, this and this for this. Be precise and above all else, be positive. Expect God to act if you want to see a miracle in your life. And always remember, church, can I remind you, be thankful. And that was one of Andrew's points last week. He just said, keep saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I could have put it as five and say, be praiseful, but I just thought thankful is much better. Verse 43, it says, Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. What I love about this story is it's not just the miracle for the blind man. It's what it demonstrates to those who are watching. And your miracle is not only for you. Yes, we're going to have the benefits of it. But what about those who are watching? We are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. It's not just your breakthrough. It's the breakthrough in the lives of others. So continue to maintain an attitude of gratitude. And I want to finish with this scripture, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I don't know how many times you've said, God, can you move in this situation? I don't know how many times you've had people pray for you. I don't know how many times you've said, I don't know if I continue. Can I encourage you one more time? Continue, go say, God, here I am. Won't you come and move in my situation? Because not only will I receive freedom, but I want to bring freedom to others. Thank you. Amen. God bless. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.